Welcome to the Realm of Endless Stories, a weekly podcast covering books, fanfic, comics, TV, and films. If we love it, we read it, watch it, and talk about it. I'm Sarah. I'm Sole. And I'm Mira. Remember that this is not a spoiler-free podcast, and we are marked explicit for occasional cursing and discussion topics. All views and opinions expressed in episode discussions are our own and not those of the creators of whatever media we are discussing. This week, we are discussing Disney's Zootopia. Yay, Zootopia. Woohoo! Before we get into that, please mm-hmm. note that this week's episode deals heavily with the concepts of racism, sexism, bigotry, bullying, and related topics. Please consider your comfort level and mental health while listening. Your health and happiness should always take priority. Take care of yourselves. We love you. Yes. Yes, we do. Now, this just before Mira starts, this was my first time watching Zootopia. I'm I'm usually like right up on the, oh, hey, Frozen 2 is coming out. I'm seeing it like the Thursday evening of the Friday premiere. Like Uh I'm usually the first one in the theater. I have been yelled at by Mira Soleil, my best Mm -hmm. friend, Kyle slash Sarah, for like the last five years. How have you not seen Zootopia? You would love this movie. Exactly. to quote Soleil's notes from a previous podcast, I loved it. <laughs> you loved it. I, I, I'm saying, I'm quoting your I loved it because otherwise I will just go off on a tangent on how much I loved it. Would you care to um, share what happened? The joke we played on you? Yes. Um, I was watching the movie with my best friend Kyle, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, Sarah, if you hate me, because that's how I'm going to refer to you for the rest of my life. Uh, my best friend Kyle, uh, was over my apartment and we were sitting and watching and we get about three quarters of the way through the movie. And I have a feeling that she's texting Soleil, um, <laughs> and trying to take pictures of my reactions. Cause she keeps like shooting her phone in my direction, yeah. like over the top of a pillow that she was leaning on. And I was like, stop it. And so she, we get like halfway through the movie where everything starts to fall apart. And mm-hmm. then she pauses it and goes, now you have to wait five years to finish it. <laughs> and because uh, she said, uh, between Soleil and I, we've decided you have to wait five years to finish it. And I said, fine, we're not friends anymore. And um, this is the last straw. I tolerated the fact that Soleil doesn't like Africa by Toto, which no, I still I can't understand. But I was like, does this mean just I'm just booted off the podcast for the next five years and then we'll come back and finish Zootopia five years from now? Remember back in episode 12 when we did half of Zootopia because Sarah wasn't allowed to watch the rest of it? Well, now she can. Now it's the conclusion. But I have so many things to say about this movie you guys were absolutely right. It is absolutely a me movie. Mm-hmm. It, it hits all of my favorite tropes, all of my favorite morals and lessons. It makes me feel all the things. I teared up because I was trying my very, very hardest not to cry. So <laughs> next time I might actually cry. Yeah. But um, it was just phenomenal from even the choices of the voice actors. And we'll get into all of this later. Mm-hmm. But like... Mm-hmm. The way 
they chose like which animal represented which person, the voice actor that went with that character, mm -hmm. the music, the the themes behind it, everything just hit me right in the heart over and over again. And I was like, I, I have no words. Just this is yeah. this but has jumped up probably into my top five with one watch. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm a Chloe Hauser. Sarah said I was Clawhauser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets so excited. Okay, let's start. Okay, so the movie itself starts off with a voiceover. Uh, and this voiceover is explaining the relationship between predator animals and prey animals in ancient times. And you see a bunch of different animals interacting. Uh, prey animals being hunted, predators being, you know, vicious and rah, rah. Is that what predators sound like? Ah. Uh. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Predators sound like ah. <laughs> it sounds like the boogeyman, yeah. Um, and you find out uh, that this is young Judy Hopps in a school play. Judy Hopps uh, is voiced, the actress's name is Jennifer Goodwin. Mm -hmm. I know her as Snow White slash Mary Margaret from Once Upon a Time. So for me, yes. having now seen the movie, she is the perfect voice for Judy yes. Hopps. She is. Yes. She is, truly. She is truly the perfect voice casting. So Judy Hopps is the narrator of the school play. In a really tiny, high, squeaky voice, looking like the cutest little teeny bunny. It's so cute. It's <laughs> Everything so cute. about this scene was just so cute. Yes. And it's so melodramatic, too. I love it. Death with the squeezing of the ketchup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right, I, you can't tell listeners, but I just made the like head tilt, death tongue sticking out pose, just like ah, yeah. I'm well, this this scene, it's much like watching the puppy ball or the kitty ball instead of the super ball. Yes, yes, it's the it's the succinct, kind of censored but not version of real events in a yeah. way that a younger audience can understand. Yes, um, so. She says that the world was divided between vicious predator and meek prey. They've evolved now and they all get along. Uh, and basically what happens is um, the kids then come and uh, they're like, oh, I want to be this. I want to be that to, you know, show that predator or prey could be now whatever they want. And Judy says that she wants to be a police officer. And the entire audience laughs because there's never been a bunny police officer before. Mm-hmm. Uh, her parents encourage her to give up on her dream of doing this because there's never been a bunny cop. And she replies, I'll just have to be the first one. Uh, and that's that's kind of the theme of this play that they were putting on, that in in Zootopia, it's the city where anyone can be anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's Yes. It made me think of immigrants emigrating to Ellis Island, we're told. New York, where the streets were paved with gold, were you could accomplish any dream. Yeah. That's why people came to America. That's the feeling I got, the feeling of hope that it you might have a wild idea, but you know what? Here in Zootopia, you can make it work. That's that's why people still come to America. Right. This mm -hmm. is the, where dreams come true. The that's land of say. opportunity. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, the, her parents actually encouraged her not to do things. They said, if you don't try anything new, you'll never fail. I mean, I was like, you're being great parents. You're trying to pr protect your child. But at the same time, it's part of a parent's job to say, you have dreams, follow them. I think a little bit is 
her parents grew up in, in another time, in another era. Wow, there's a real life parallel. If your if your family had a business, then you usually go into your family's business. You don't saving people, hunting things, the family business. No, planting carrots. Yes, <laughs> and, and yes, car- carrot farming. They wanted her to be part of the farming, part of their business. But she has two hundred and eighty six other siblings to do that. I know, but the, the <laughs> mentality of parents is like we have this established. It's better if you stay close. You're going to be safe. I don't think they really understand where her heart is. Or or why she's so, why she has this dream when none of her other siblings do. Yes. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, who has not had a really big dream like that? I mean, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a lawyer so that I could get elected into Congress and then become the first female president. <laughs> Leslie Nope yeah. would be so proud of you. Yes, she would be so proud of you. <laughs> I wanted to be an I wanted to be an astronomer. I wanted to have braces. <laughs> I didn't want to have those, but I did. I I wanted so badly that I they used to put um the colored rubber bands. No, the, those bracelets, the very thick um bandable bracelets. I used to put slap it in my mouth. Ba- slap bracelets. Yeah, I oh used, yeah. I used to fold yes. it in half and put it in my teeth. I was weird, kid. I, I you're loved it. you're you're my kind of weirdo. I love yes. you. <laughs> I love you too. You're great though. Okay, let's go. Foxes. Okay, so uh my favorite animal, by the way. Um, right after she has a discussion with her parents, she gets some tickets to uh I think it's it's like a county fair. And uh this fox starts bullying her and her friends and takes the tickets. And Judy stands up to the fox, and his name is Gideon. Mm-hmm. He pushes her down, she kicks him, and then he scratches her on the face. And he says he wants her to remember this next time he th- she thinks she'll be anything other than a stupid carrot-farming bunny who doesn't know when to quit. At that point, she agrees that she doesn't know when to quit. Now, I like that Gideon... Gave his message, you'll never be anything other than a stupid carrot farming bunny who doesn't know when to quit. The message he wanted her to get was, give up now, don't bother. The -hmm. message Judy takes away from this is, challenge accepted. I'm going to prove you wrong. And I love that. The important question here is, what does the fox say? Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) (laughs) My, My first thought... I have problems. My first thought was moo because I wasn't expecting fox. I don't. Well, it's jumping over a lazy brown dog. I know that. But the cow says moo. I know the cow says moo. I know what sounds animals make. I don't know why when you said, what does the fox say? I thought moo. Which will be amazing, by the way. Uh, well, that could be the episode title. What does the fox say? Moo. Yes. Um, the only other thing I wanted to point out here is the foxes in every tale or story are always seen as clever, but deceitful and dishonest. And this is a stereotype um, that I think it carry on through generations of rabbits and small prey. Um, yeah, they're told as kind of like scary stories like behave be home by bedtime or the foxes will get you like but also maybe the idea has changed maybe it has evolved but it only has evolved in big cities and this is true with anything that Mm -hmm. there are big cities like you know in new york city when when if you wanted to be 
um, something different, you are not seen as an outsider. But if you're a small town like like Judy is, if you are, th- these stereotypes kind of stay. Right, because New York is a city where everyone is unique. Mm-hmm. So no idea is seen as weird or far-fetched. You all fit in because you are all different, which is kind of a really neat and unique concept because it doesn't yeah. necessarily happen in other cities. But New York, they describe it as this great melting pot. And it's true. Like, that's how they described America. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're in school growing up, America was the great melting pot because yeah. you had all these people from all different walks of life and cultures and countries. And it all comes together in New York City and in this case, Zootopia, mm-hmm. where Everything is possible because any dream, everybody coexists together. Everyone is different. And Mm -hmm. that difference for once becomes the thing that bonds you together. Mm -hmm. And it's it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's something to celebrate to have new duties in every place that they want to try new things. They want, you know, this is not, this can't be the whole thing. If I want to be a president, if I want to be a cop, I can do it even if you say I can't. I Mm -hmm. want more than this provincial life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. Yes. Mm -hmm. Two points, and we've talked for like 20 minutes already. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, we're good. We're good. Um, So the next thing we see is her training to become a police officer in Zootopia. Mm -hmm. We're informed that uh, Zootopia has 12 unique climates ranging from desert to rainforest to, t- to tundra. And we see all these different obstacle courses to match these climates. And Judy fails at all of them. Her commanding officer mm-hmm. outright tells her she should give up and just go home, but she doesn't. And then, of course, we have the you know, whole like Rocky Balboa, like woohoo montage mm-hmm. that she actually starts winning and completing the obstacle courses. Mm-hmm. And I loved that the way she's winning because her training officer just keeps calling her nicknames of not necessarily derogatory, but because you can kind of tell that her training officer likes her, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that she's not succeeding at all and keeps telling her, you know, go home, give up. But you can tell from the lady's voice, she kind of wants her to push back and keep trying. And Judy ends up having this idea. You can see the change in her face that the way she wins these courses She's been trying to follow the rules that everybody else follows. Everybody else who's doing it is bigger, stronger, Mm -hmm. uh, taller, um, has different like physiology than she does. And she's a small bunny. So she decides, you know what? Why am I trying to play using the things that I don't have? Mm -hmm. Use my own strengths. I'm fast. I'm nimble. I can Mm -hmm. jump high. So Mm -hmm. why try and out climb the up the wall the other people when I can't get a grip like a lion can Mm -hmm. when I can hop from the head to head of different people and make it to the top of the wall yeah play to your own strengths it's not cheating she didn't cheat at all by doing this she just found the way that works for her yeah she Mm -hmm. she worked smarter not harder it's uh the Captain America one the first soldier to get this flag from the top of the flagpole. All the soldiers try and climb the flagpole and fail. Mm-hmm. Steve pulls the pin from the bottom of the flagpole. The flagpole falls down. He walks over to the flag and picks it up. Yeah. And like, they're like, <laughs> yeah. And gets in the truck with Peggy. 
And yeah. you can tell Peggy's impressed because he looked at the same problem. He didn't break any rules. He mm-hmm. just saw the problem from a different angle and came up with a solution that worked. Yes. Yeah, the literal only parameters were get the flag. Never yeah. know how. I mean, it was implied that you were supposed to climb the pole to get the flag. But, but no one ever said, said you couldn't. couldn't. Right? And I, no one had ever thought of that before. All I, it takes is a fresh set of eyes and a new way of looking at something. Yeah, I bet they do it a rule now. You can probably <laughs> you need to climb. Don't pull, don't pull a Captain America, that asshole. You know, <laughs> like I wonder if after Steve became Captain America, if that's what they called it. Like you're pulling a Captain America. Stop. Don't, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like the Kobayashi Maru. Do not pull a James Kirk. You cannot cheat. Like <laughs> right, right. Yes, yes. Do not pull a Kirk. Uh, Judy does end up completing her course to become a police yeah, officer, yeah. and she's the first bunny officer ever. Woo-hoo! And she's assigned to woo 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 woo. Uh, she's assigned to Zone One, the city center. At her graduation. Her graduation class is attended by Mayor Lionheart and Assistant Mayor Bellwether, and they're the ones that hand out the diplomas and certificates of graduation. Mm-hmm. The the thing that I want to mention here is I want to talk about a little about Mayor Lionheart's speech. Um, he mentions that she only became a she, police she, officer. She Judy. She Judy, because of his Mammal Inclusion Initiative, which sounds like it was not in place before. It, it was kind of like a change for modern times. And you can see it later on when she joins. I will say small mammal, not mammal inclusion, because there are other mammals. Um, but you can see it in the kind of animals that are already police officers in the precincts. This was, I laughed because he said the mammal inclusion initiative. But at the same time, I instantly thought, oh, my God, it's affirmative action. It's yeah. it's the forced diversity inclusion quota that mm-hmm. you need to meet. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I also thought it more like um, in the military that now you can say, you know, even though you still are looked at differently, you you can say your sexual orientation without. Right. Because don't ask, don't tell has been repealed. Yes. Change is slow, but it is happening. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, small minds will keep thinking the same way. But this seems to me as it was something that he just started. And um, it's the movie is supposed to be like modern era. So it's not like it was in the 90s or 80s. Um, and Which there's- makes me question, I just thought of this. If the Mammal Inclusion Initiative is new, it makes me wonder if because Judy beat all the tests and there's mm-hmm. never been a bunny officer before, if her training officer went up to the mayor and like went all the way up the chain and argued on her behalf. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why she can't be a cop. She's qualified. Mm -hmm. You have to let her in. It could be. It to me seems something that it was not in place long before Judy became an officer. Right. Right. And she might be the exception for a small mammal. Cause this one says only mammals inclusion. She might be the exception for small animals. Right, and we don't get any further details on the Mammal Inclusion Initiative aside mm-hmm. from this, that um, she's only an officer because of Mayor Lionheart's uh, Mammal Inclusion Initiative. And- Which in itself is a disservice to Judy mm-hmm. because it's implying yeah, because- that even though she passed all the tests and is perfectly qualified, the only reason we said yes is because this initiative is law. Yes. Right. Which not only is that like, 
dude, she earned that. But also very arrogant on the mayor's part. Like, even the opportunity, I feel like he's, like, taking credit for, for her to become an officer. This is where I'd like to point out the fact that the leaders of Zootopia, uh, Mayor Lionheart is voiced by J.K. Simmons, <laughs> a.k.a. A every single Spider-Man's J. Jonah Jameson, yes. head of the newspaper Spider-Man hater, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that uh, assistant mayor Bellwether is uh, Jenny Slate. She's been in uh, Secret Life of Pets, but mm-hmm. I know her and love her from Parks and Recreation as Mona Lisa Saperstein. Money, please. Money, please. And the fact that these two people are in charge of Zootopia makes me laugh endlessly. Yes. It's so funny. So we have this discussion. And the next thing we see is that she's off at the train station to leave for Zootopia. And uh, you find out that there's a lot of bigotry on the part of her parents against predators, uh, particularly foxes, because of what happened to Judy. Uh, Judy then replies that there are a lot of bunnies who are jerks. It's not limited to one species. I mean, how how simply does this present something like Mm -hmm. any sort of bigotry, uh, racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, any kind of bigotry? Mm -hmm. And and it's like it's like that the 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 bunnies aren't bad people. And I get why they are worried about Mm -hmm. uh, Judy going, especially given what happened with the box when she was a kid. But still, like, I mean, you can compare this to religious persecution or bigotry now or like the the Muslim travel ban that was Mm -hmm. put in and then thankfully repealed that her family says, no, foxes are bad. And she's like, well, not all foxes are bad. We're bunnies and some of us are jerks. Yeah. So it's not just them. She says, this is a jerk who happens to be a fox. Right, right. It's the fact that his personality dictates what he is, not Mm -hmm. his species. Yes. Yes. It's his choice to be a jerk. Yes, and Judy takes the onus off of him being a fox and places it on him as a being, as Mm -hmm. his own personality. As an animal with a mind who, Mm -hmm. instead of saying, I could be real nice about this, decided to be a jerk. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. and backs it up with, well, I know a lot of bunnies who are jerks and you don't have this bigotry towards us as yeah. bunnies. It's not right. limited to just foxes. You're being small minded. It is easier to see it in a predator than in a bunny that is so small and cuddly and cute. It is it's harder to see these traits of being a jerk, being, you know, whatever it is in animals that don't look the part. If you look the part, you are. What's his face? The uh, the fennec fox that works with Nick, mm-hmm. the one with the really deep voice. Yes, mm-hmm. I always got the impression that he was the bigger jerk, and the fact that he's the cutest, smallest little fox yes. proves that point perfectly. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, we see Judy then saying goodbye to her parents and two hundred and forty-five siblings. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard because it's true. Bunnies have huge litters of children, yeah, and just just the fact that they they don't even necessarily like draw attention to it because she mm-hmm. only hugs her parents goodbye. It's just the fact that it's her parents and all of her siblings there that yeah. you just catch it and you're like that is just so true and so funny. I, I love that there's yep. only one bunny that follows her around like a smaller bunny. Right, like, the one that looks up to her. She's going to look up to her and is going to want to move to do big things too. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, how 
good and great is that that they actually put something like that how much of an influence an older sibling can be on a younger sibling especially when you have so many younger siblings the fact that one bothered to pay attention especially also when you have parents that even though their mind is set on what Zootopia is, what predators are, they still are a little bit open-minded and trusting her to find her own path and to be safe. Mm-hmm. Right. They may not be comfortable with it, but they're still going to let her follow her dream. They're not going to put their foot down and say, no, you can't go. Yeah. Yes. Um. So we see Judy getting on the train, and uh, when she gets on the train, she takes out her little, like, uh, iPod and she puts on Gazelle, who is voiced by Shakira, Shakira. Shakira, Shakira. I have a couple things to say about this. How does an animated Gazelle manage to still look exactly like Shakira? I, I don't know. I don't know. I would also like to point out, I know everyone talked about this at the 2020 Super Bowl, but her outfit was exactly the same. <laughs> well, I didn't watch the Super Bowl, but I looked at it at the end performance and I was like, this is a Shakira performance with her four dancers and like the the outfit that shows her midriff so that she can do her my spine isn't connected to my hips bit. Um, <laughs> yes. And look amazing while doing it. Also, I need to take a moment the song that you hear Gazelle, Shakira, Shakira, singing off of the iPod as uh, Judy travels is called Try Everything. Mm-hmm. And it's an original song that was written for the movie. And I almost cried watching this movie. I listened to this right before we started recording and I almost started crying then. This song resonates with me so much because it's saying try everything even though it scares you even though you might Mm -hmm. fail if you do fail that's okay just Mm -hmm. get back up again it's better to regret what you did do and fail and try again Mm -hmm. than regret to have not tried at all and it's it's everything i Mm -hmm. tell myself or try to remind myself when I'm feeling especially anxious or especially reluctant to do something to get myself to believe the ideas I fall back on when I feel like giving up. It's that inspiration into one perfect song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And note that um, it was nominated at the 59th Grammy Awards for Best Song Written for Visual Media. And in 2020, Billboard magazine, which is very famous for its rankings, its weekly rankings of songs, like chart topping songs and things, Mm -hmm. it Try Anything was named as one of the 12 best Disney songs of the 21st century. Yeah, it is a great song. Disney usually has really good soundtrack. They really do. But this one is one of those, like along with Tarzan, that like gives you that gut punch in the heart that you're just like, this is what I needed oh, to hear God, right yes. now. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially coming from someone who had not seen this movie, like listening to this, just it felt like it was talking to me personally. It, it, I am so happy that you've never seen this movie and you watched it for the first time. Because I'm cry. it always, always is like, you know, you two have watched everything. Most of the times I'm the one who hasn't watched some or read something. And having your fresh perspective on this movie that I've watched several times and I love, it makes me so happy. I'm starting to tear up. Like, we said, we, before we record, uh, we always do, like, a pump-up song just mm-hmm. to get ourselves, like, excited to record. And 
usually it's totally unrelated to what we're doing. But I, this time I was like, look, I had a really bad night last night. I was feeling kind of down. I want to play Try Everything. And I played it for the other two co-hosts. And I sat here with my eyes closed, just listening and like taking it in. And like, I feel it in my heart and just, I I don't know how to put it into words. It's one of those songs that like, when you need that extra push that says, you know what, things may be bad now, but it will be okay. I promise Mm -hmm. it's that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm crying and I just, it was, yeah. It was everything. Yeah. Try everything. Because I'm, I mean, I'm, as I've said before, I have ADHD and anxiety. So for me, trying new things is terrifying. I Mm -hmm. hate trying new things. So everything about this was reassuring, was uh, inspiring to say, you know, it's okay to fail. Mm -hmm. You still learn something from it. The important thing is getting back up. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I'm having feelings, so you can continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just, this whole movie, this whole movie resonated with me so deeply that I was just like, I think I was, the only reason I wasn't crying through the whole thing was I was too busy live texting it to Soleil at the time. <laughs> yeah. That's the only reason I wasn't yeah. like just full on sobbing in multiple points. Oh, it's okay. We love you too. So, uh, she rides through a bunch of the different climates to get to the city center. And she's just like staring out the window the entire time, completely full of wonder. When you get that first look, when the train comes around the corner of the, the main tall skyscrapers of the city structure, mm-hmm. it looks to me like Asgard, mm-hmm. architecture wise. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. when you meet the chief of police mm-hmm. in a little bit, uh, Chief Bogo... He's voiced by Idris Elba, who in the Thor movies is Heimdall, who is responsible for looking after Asgard. And it's it's beautiful. I thought that was very interesting, and I wondered if they did that on purpose. Uh, so the train station is clearly modeled after Grand Central Station in New York City, which I absolutely loved. That was my guess, because I've never been to Grand Central. You have? Oh, I have. And no, really? ever. No, because all the I live in New Jersey. So when you take New Jersey Transit, that goes straight into Penn Station. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to get to Grand Central, you have to take my trains. You well, <laughs> either your trains or you have to take a couple different subway lines to mm-hmm. get to Grand Central. Nothing from New Jersey goes straight to Grand Central. Mm-hmm. So I've never been there. I've only ever seen it in movies. You see, it's something that every train I take from here to New York City, into New York City, goes to Central Station, that I thought that everybody has been there. No. Everybody has uh, visited New York, has been there. I want to go just because I want to look at it. I'm surprised that you haven't been there, because isn't the ceiling like all constellations? They're all stars and constellations on the ceiling of uh, Grand Central, like in the May Hall. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they light up, so they're like little stars. It's amazing. I, that's why I'm surprised you haven't been there. Take me. Okay, let's go. Yeah, well, like okay. that, yeah, right after this. After COVID. Or we just put on our spacesuits and oxygen tanks and go now. Yes. I mean, I could try and fly to New York, but um, it'd take me a couple of days. <laughs> So Judy ends up running a single bedroom apartment. Not even a single bedroom. It's literally just one room. It's a studio. So it, it is a New York City apartment. 
Well, it's a studio apartment in New York City, which really should be advertised as cardboard box. Like it's a closet, pretty much is what it is. So yeah, when Judy first sees her own apartment, Mm -hmm. she looks it over and she says, greasy walls, rickety bed, crazy neighbors. I love it. (laughs) That was amazing. She's like, she's the eternal optimist because this apartment is truly terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, we see her getting up at 5.30 a.m. and getting ready for work for her first day as a cop in Zootopia. And um, I found this little detail interesting that um, she walks out and she picks up her fox repellent that her parents gave her because they gave her fox repellent, decides to leave it. Mm -hmm. And you see it just sitting on her little desk. And then you see her hand just come back and pick it back up. Mm -hmm. And... How often have has someone been in that kind of situation? Like, I mean, where you've thought about maybe leaving some sort of like protective gear, uh, mm-hmm. like like maybe pepper spray or something. You thought about maybe leaving it behind, but then you're like, mm, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah, it's like, oh, it won't happen to me, but and you're like, I'll be fine. And then you get three steps away, and you're like, just in case, better safe than sorry. I'm not going to use it, but but as the universe has it, if I don't have it. I will therefore make it happen. So yes, it's yes. Right. And I mean. But her, I also translated her hesitance as I don't want to be the same closed minded people my parents are. That's mm-hmm. why I'm Agreed. not taking Agreed. it. But yeah. then she thought about it and was like, well, part of what they say is true. I am a small bunny in a brand new city and I'm a cop and. I mean, people treat cops in Zootopia a lot nicer than they treat cops in the United States. But Mm -hmm. I can imagine that it's better to have some sort of protection against any kind of mammal in this case Mm -hmm. that, like, you pull somebody over for a ticket and they just go, I'm not going to take this ticket. And it's like, whoa, calm down. So, like, but the reason she hesitated, I really took it to heart at first as... I don't want to think like them. I'm not. And that can is symbolic of being small minded. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I completely agree with that. And the fact that she does have that hesitance is very telling about what she wants her attitude to be. But it's still kind of like. She's being realistic. She's she's, she's like, look, even if I'm not taking it because I believe in it, I have to be realistic. I'm a police officer. I'm a small woman. I mm-hmm. need to take precautions for my own safety. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a parallel to women now. Yeah. All the time. If you're out by yourself, especially in a new place where you've never been before, mm-hmm. you're told, yep. be on alert. Be careful. Have your pepper spray. Have your keys between your uh, your fingers. Like they're right. Like even if, yeah. if you're like me, who's a very trusting person, it's still, there's that part of your mind that says, I hope to God I don't need this, but in case I do, it's better to have it than not. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the next thing we see is Judy arriving at the police station. Um, And the first person she meets is the uh, leopard. I think he's a snow leopard. Yeah. um, At the front desk. And his name is Clawhauser. Yeah, he's he's, just a leopard, but he's so cute. 
He's so cute. He is my favorite. I fell in love with him the moment I saw him because he's like, hi. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's me. Yeah, he's like, yes. hi. He's like, oh, you're so cute, Bunny. And she's like, uh, don't call cute. Don't call me cute. Like, it's know, okay when bunnies. bunnies do it. But, like, that's kind of not. And he's like, and then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I just meant that you're adorable. I wasn't trying to be right that guy. How can I help you? I'm sorry. Let's start over. Hi. How are yeah. you? How can I help you? Like, he was amazing. I, I love how they, they did that situation. That they can show mm -hmm. you that uh, you can change, you know. And also the way that she sets limits being nice. It's, it's mm -hmm. like, you know. Right. Because he didn't. Yes. He, his reaction was, I didn't realize that me saying, oh, my God, you're so cute could be taken as an advance or something mm -hmm. unwanted. He was just going, oh, my God, you're so adorable. Mm -hmm. And so Judy's like, look, that just so you know, I'm not mad at you, but it could be taken the wrong way. And instead of saying just, oh, you know, thanks for letting me know. He's like, oh, no, I didn't mean it like that. I'm so sorry. Please mm -hmm. let me try again. Let mm -hmm. me he's open to changing his ways. Yes. Right. Exactly. And the fact that he's immediately like that, that's, it's very telling about who he is. Mm -hmm. And I, I love Klauser. He looks so huggable. He, he, is. he is. He is also hug shaped. He's <laughs> yeah. so excited all the time. I love him. Um, so Judy, he gets, she, he gives her directions. He gives Judy directions to the bullpen mm -hmm. and he watches her go. And as before we take the camera off of him, He's like, oh, that poor bunny. She's going to get eaten alive. <laughs> that, was, that was very funny. Uh, we see uh, Judy get to the bullpen. And mm -hmm. we see this is our first first uh, time that we're seeing Chief Bogo, who is a water buffalo. Well, back up. She has to, like, hustle her way up into a chair because she's small. Mm -hmm. And her feet don't touch the ground. And, girl, that is my life. But isn't this another indication of there has never been a small yes. animal being a police officer? Because nothing mm -hmm. is suited for small animals. No, nothing at all. No, it's all regular standard size chairs and things and everybody else can sit down without a problem. Mm -hmm. And she has to like sort of boost herself up to get into this regular size chair. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And everybody just kind of looks at her like, why are you having so many problems? But doesn't offer to help. No, no, they're just, okay, whatever. Have fun. Uh, and and uh, he says that they have to go through three points in their morning briefing. And I love what he said. First, we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room. <laughs> Francine, happy birthday. Because Francine is an elephant. And so you think that it's going to go, we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room. And then something terrible is going to be said to Francine because he's like, mm -hmm. he's the police chief. He's calling out a member of his squad. Like maybe something bad happened. It's like, and elephant in the room is a saying, a common saying. And he's like, mm -hmm. first, happy birthday. And I was like, this joke delights me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Francine to me sounds like a woman's name. Yeah, it is because it's the feminine form of Francis. Okay, some you know you never know with names. This Correct. Days. No. Yeah. It really surprised me that there are other women po police women in the force, and no one approached Judy. Right. There's no no bond. No, I don't I don't know how to say the word camaraderie, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Between women, because you know how hard it is 
to make it. And if you see a smaller one, like if it was me, I will try to reach out to her. In Francine's defense, though, Bogo doesn't really give them a lot of time. He's like, we're going to discuss these three points. I'm going to hand out these assignments now. And as he gives each team their assignments, they leave the bullpen. Mm -hmm. So the amount of time that Judy has been in the room with the one or two other female officers is less than two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, like she's coming in right when the meeting starts. So. Right. And, and Judy then eventually goes off on her assignment. So yes, it would have been nice if we could have seen say Francine, like hang back and like come to Judy in the hall and be like, Hey, you know, mm-hmm. I want to welcome you. But like, I also kind of see realistic wise there wasn't really an opportunity, but I, I'm totally with what you're saying. The next thing that he has on his agenda, point number two, is new recruits. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he mentions Judy, and um, you know she's she's acknowledged, and then he gets to the actual business of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are 14 missing mammals, all predators, and he hands out assignments uh, to various other officers, and when he assigns Judy her duty for the day, he gives her parking duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, she Basically, he's like, you're a meter maid. She talks to him and tries to get assigned one of the cases. She mentions that she was top in her class. She mentions that, you know, um, she, she can do the work. And he basically says he's not going to give her an assignment and he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. She has parking duty. And then he says that writing 100 tickets a day for the top of her class should be easy. And at that moment, Judy's like, 100 tickets. I'm going to write 200 tickets. Before lunch. Before Before lunch. (laughs) She's so honest because you see a montage of her hopping and and doing all this kind of stuff, going back and forth down this street, giving parking tickets to cars whose meters flip to expired. And as she's finishing writing ticket number 200, her little parking meter car, because she's not given a real cop car. It looks more like a golf cart with a siren on it, to be real. Yeah, it does. Where it's parked flips to expired. And Mm -hmm. she's so good and so honest that she writes ticket number 201 for her own patrol car. Like, she exceeded her own goal. Yes. Already. Right, right. And then we see her looking at a fox who's acting really shady. So she decides to follow him. I mean, he he is looking over his shoulder like, is anybody following me? Yeah, he, he's, he's acting really suspect, yeah. It's not that he's a fox. It's that he's doing all the stereotypical criminal yeah. obvious behaviors. Yes. Um, he goes into this elephant-owned ice cream parlor. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, th- at this point, we see that he has a little... Fennec fox with him. For those who don't know, fennec foxes are about the size of a teddy bear. They have really big ears mm-hmm. and they're like light tan. They're really small, look super cuddly and yes. super adorable. Yes. They're really, really cute. He says he wants to buy a jumbo pop for his son. Uh, Judy then, like, she has her fox re- repellent ready or she had her fox repellent ready, but then she's like, oh, he's just trying to be a customer, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. She has it in this little, like, sort of pouch thing on her um, holder on her belt. Yeah, it's like a holster for the can. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little holster. And she she closes the holster really quickly. Like, it's fine. Almost acts embarrassed that she pulled it out because she's yeah. like, I can't yeah, believe she, she does. I let, just because this fox was acting shady, I've fallen into the same trap of thinking, you know, he's going to do something. And here he's just trying to buy an ice cream for his son. I'm so ashamed of myself. Mm-hmm. 
Right, right. It's kind of an acknowledgement of maybe her own sort of bias against foxes. And she's she's embarrassed about it. Yeah. I think she does think about that. Um, The elephants are trying to refuse the fox service because he's trying to fight his jumbo pop. And Judy, the brilliant cop that she is, uses the health code to get them to sell a jumbo pop for him. Mm -hmm. Uh, What they were doing is they were scooping up ice cream with ungloved trunks. Ungloved meaning like ice cream, like restaurant workers. We were humans. We wear gloves on our hands. They're just using their trunks without any kind of protection and just scooping up. It's so funny because she says, do you like your ice cream with mucus? And I'm like, oh. And the two people or the two animals that are sitting there sharing an ice cream are like, like spit out their ice cream. Yes. Yep. She's like, you will sell him this or I will report you. And this moment, now it had already hit me. I was already making parallels Mm -hmm. to the fact that Judy is, I mean, I tend to sort characters into Hogwarts houses in my head, compare them to other characters from other TV shows. Judy is probably to me uh, a Hufflepuff Gryffindor split, but I was already comparing her to Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. But this is where I also recognized that she's not only Leslie Nope, but she's also Amy Santiago from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. Oh, both she of, is both so of much. these characters in their respective shows are extreme rule followers. Yes. They are optimists. Mm-hmm. They want to change the world for the better. And they will and have used the rules, even old, extremely archaic ones, mm-hmm. to get their way to do the right thing without breaking any laws or breaking any rules. Yes. And that is exactly what mm-hmm. Judy did here. She's mm-hmm. like, well, you could refuse to sell this nice fox and his son an ice cream pop. And it's funny because the jumbo pop is literally bigger than the son himself. Like, it's like <laughs> yes. quite the size. Or... I could tell the health department that you were using ice, you were dispensing ice cream with ungloved trunks and they'd uh, give you a big fine and shut down your ice cream shop. So Mm -hmm. the choice is yours. And then she just kind of stands there with her hands in her pockets and she hasn't broken any rules. She's not forcing him to make a choice Mm -hmm. and telling him what to do. She's just saying, here are the laws as I know them. These are the facts. Even though the elephants had a sign that said, we have the right to refuse service to anyone, Mm -hmm. which in itself, I think is an issue. So I'm going to stand up for this random citizen. I just witnessed you guys breaking the health code, which is extremely unsanitary and illegal. And I'm a police officer, so I could report you. Or you could give him the ice cream and fix your ways and I won't say anything. And it was such a Leslie and Amy thing to do that I was was so proud. So uh, after she does this with the elephants, she says goodbye to the fox and then sees the child, I'm doing air quotes, Mm -hmm. driving. So she follows them. Like, why would this kid be driving? My first thought was, like me, how does he reach the pedals? They make extenders. Yes, they do. So they head into Tumbo, Tumbo Town. Tumbo Town. <laughs> Where everybody tumbles. I guess. Um, they head into Tundra Town. Melts the jumbo ice pop. And you see, um, I can't remember if it's Nick or the little fennec fox, but they, the they're one. making paw marks. Oh, yes. He's making paw marks in the ground. And they are pouring the um, jumbo pop melted into these little paw marks. And then um, putting icicle pops into Mm -hmm. the molds. So they've taken one giant pop 
And made like 50 little popsicles out of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then they go back into the city. And there are these little hamsters who are coming out of the office. Uh, I don't know if it's for lunch or done with the day. I think it's lunch because they're all in little business suits carrying little briefcases. And it was so cute. Cute. They're so cute. Um, so yes, um, they, they sell these to these hamsters coming out of the office. And then they take the sticks that they used with the hamsters and sell them to the mice. And yeah. the mice are like, why is this wood red? And uh, And Nick is like, it's redwood. <laughs> I laughed way too hard at that joke. Like, and just thinking yeah. about this, this is even though what Nick is doing is really shady, it's very business savvy and clever. Yes. It is. Like so clever. It it struck me. I was like, well, I mean, technically. The only thing she can get him on is, like, not having a license or whatever. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there isn't a rule that says you can't buy a giant ice pop, make it into smaller ice pops, and sell it, it, take that money, take the sticks, sell it to the mice as lumber, and take that money, and mm-hmm. then start again. Like, that's... Right. To have come up with this idea is brilliant. Yes. Right, right. And and she does try to arrest him. Uh, she tries to arrest him for, uh, like, All what this. is it, false advertising? That's yes. what she tries to arrest him for. And he's like, I was not falsely advertising. I sold them redwood for the space. Wood that is red. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, he shows her his license, and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm covered. Mm-hmm. And she finds, he, he talks about, you know, how long he's been doing this and how he, he's going to outsmart her. And she's basically like, oh, so she tries to get him on tax code because he's been working for so long mm-hmm. and has not paid taxes. Yes. And that's what she gets him on. Tax evasion is how they caught Al Capone. <laughs> yes. That is the only thing they could pin him on. They could not pin any other crimes on him, but you can't pay taxes on illegal money. Yeah. So the fact that Nick has been doing all of these illegal things, the only thing she could get him on was not paying taxes on it. This yes. was a direct correlation to saying, yes. well, I have to stick him with something. Yeah. This is the only thing I, I got. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, they insult each other. Nick says, you can only be what you are. Sly Fox, dumb bunny, and she'll never be a real cop. After letting her know that he's, she's been following him and is now in wet cement. That happens. And she's just so dejected. Uh, she goes home and tries to listen to music, but there are only sad songs on the radio. So she turns it off and she heats up a microwave carrots for one meal, but doesn't eat it because it's literally like the tiniest little single carrot yeah it's horrible haven't we all had those days where you're like i need to cheer up and it literally seems like god is tuning the radio against you that every station you flip through it's like this is pointed at me and i don't know why it's happening but can you stop yeah pretty much pretty much um so she ends up her parents end up calling her and they ask about her first day, and she lies about it. This is the one time, I think, that she lies in the movie. She's basically like, oh, it was all right. It was fine. Um, but then they notice her meter maid sash, and they are thrilled. They're yeah. like, it's the safest job on the course. You're not going to get hurt. You're going to be fine. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, she is not so excited. Yep. I mean, Judy at first was so excited when they're, like, they're – 
eyes light up. They're like, oh, my God. And she expects them to go, oh, my God, you're a cop. Look at our kid. We're so proud. And their reaction is, look, you're a meter maid. That's the least dangerous job. And you can just tell that she's like, they're excited, but for the wrong reason. And that's what hurts me. Yeah. That's really, it's demoralizing is what it it is. is. Yeah. Um, so the next day, uh, she's still on meter maid duty. Um, but it's filled with her. Cause the first day you don't see her actually talking to people that she's ticketing. Mm -hmm. The next day, everybody that she tickets just happens to be at their car. (laughs) It was like watching an episode of parking wars on TLC. Like literally it was. Oh yeah. I went in for two minutes. Right. Or that commercial with the little kid, like, I was away for five minutes. And (laughs) right in the middle of all of this, though, uh, someone comes up to her saying that his shop has just been robbed. Mm -hmm. And she sees the weasel, because it's a weasel, who who did this. And the weasel heads into this area of the city called Little Rodentia. And it is hilarious. Um, They play a lot with sizing and scale in this scene here, because as soon as you walk into Little Rodentia, everything is... Tiny. Yes, for rodents. It's all mouse-sized. It's so cute. As she's um running through this city, you see a bunch of, a little bit of, like, damage and stuff. She's trying to avoid, but um there's this big donut sign thing that ends up coming loose from its uh anchor. Is that mm-hmm. a shout-out to Brandy's Donuts, A, from Iron Man, that actually exists in L.A.? I, I think so. I think so. I think so. Um, but the donut comes loose and starts rolling down the city. And uh, this cute little, like, vole is about to be crushed by the donut. But Judy saves her. Mm-hmm. And after Judy saves her, uh, they're like, thank you. She's like, thank you. And Judy's like, oh, you're welcome. You're so welcome. I love your hair. And she's like, thanks. And it, it, it's just so cute. The fact that she genuinely means it is great. Yeah, I love yes. that um, the ladies, these this mouse ladies, um, they're coming out of a, a store that is called Mousies, a, a play on Macy's, <laughs> and they have bags that says Targoat. Oh, I didn't even <laughs> notice that. <laughs> Instead of Target, it's Targoat. It, it, it was so funny. And... Also, when she catches the rubber and she brings it into the stations, she's like, ha, I popped the weasel. (laughs) So funny. I did catch that. I would like to point out that the weasel's full name is Duke Weaselton. He is voiced. (laughs) Now, this is funny for many reasons. He is voiced by Alan Tudyk, who uh, (laughs) is mostly known from uh, Firefly, but... Mm -hmm. Has provided voices in many different Disney movies. He was Hey Hey the Chicken and Moana. He uh, <laughs> did he ever talk? I don't remember no, Hey no, Hey talking. No, he no, noises no. He and just makes fucking noises. He's like, he's yeah, like he I went to noises. Juilliard. Yes, <laughs> but he was in Frozen, <laughs> playing the Duke of Wesselton, which is which is spelled. Weaseltown. Weaseltown. So Duke <laughs> Weaselton, played by Alan Tudyk, and the Duke of Wesselton in Frozen, played by Alan Tudyk. Okay, let's say that he's the king of the whistles. And he's also, it's um, so funny. he's King Candy in Wreck-It Ralph. 
<gasps> I which I was that. surprised by. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he does voice uh, voices for a lot of stuff. Wow. But oh, yeah, I thought good. it was funny he's that this good. is the first time I remember a Disney movie literally naming a character almost identically the same thing when it's voiced by the same actor. I thought that was pretty brilliant. It's almost like making fun of themselves. I love it when Disney makes Alan Tudyk, if you ever listen to this, we love you. Thank you. Yes. So um, Judy goes back to the station after, you know, taking she takes the weasel back to the station. Mm -hmm. And she is disciplined for uh, abandoning her post and causing a scurry in Little Rodentia. The um, fact that they phrase it causing a scurry. Yeah. Wouldn't the weasel running through li Little Rodentia be the scurry? She was trying to stop. First of all, she stopped like eight buildings from collapsing and falling on people mm -hmm. before she right. even stopped the donut. The scurry right. was already in progress. She was preventing it from becoming a mouse massacre. Also, before she goes in, we see a patrol car and I think there's a rhino and some other animal that have been called in and she's like officer hops on pursuit because she's the only one that can fit Right. And, and not do damage in this. Right. She's part small enough that even though she looks like Godzilla in scale, she's nimble enough that hopping around from place to place, she can miss the citizens and still step on the sidewalks and not step right. on cars. Where if you sent mm -hmm. a rhino in, it would just be, let's destroy little Rodentia. Now, can they yeah, go in? Or they will have to wait until the, the weasel comes out the other side of Rodentia. You see, they wouldn't even, I don't right. think they would be able to go in at all. That would mean that would be the perfect hideout for criminals because then they'd never have to leave and nobody could go in. What mm -hmm. did they do before right, they had right. a small so, cop? Right, right. And um, yeah, seriously, like, like Sarah was saying, anybody else would completely have destroyed uh, mm -hmm. Little Rodentia. No one else could have gone in. Yeah. Um, which is. All of these reasons are, like, why I'm annoyed that she was disciplined for this. Mm -hmm. But just as she's speaking with Chief Bogo, this woman named Mrs. Otterton, who's an otter, mm -hmm. comes in about her missing husband, Emmett. Uh, Judy immediately says that she'll crack the case, and Bogo asks the otter to go stand in the hall. He closes the door and tells Judy that she's fired, that she is going to explain the situation to Mrs. Otterton, um, and that's that. But mm -hmm. when they open the door, she sees Mrs. Otterton, they see Mrs. Otterton speaking with Assistant Mayor Bellwether, and she's told Mayor Bell, Assistant Mayor Bellwether that Judy is going to take the case. Also, uh, according to the Google machine, mm -hmm. uh, engine otters are, no, I call it the Google machine, um, <laughs> otters are generally monogamous and may even mate for life. So oh, the fact, yeah. right. So the fact yeah. that she's like, I've lost my husband. Can you find my husband? That's her one and only. Yeah. Like yeah. that's why it was so important to her. Cause not just because it's her husband and they have kids, but like that's her forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's her, that's her person. Her right. Honor. It broke yeah. my heart. It honestly did. Oh, I didn't know it, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Bogo then, um, after Mayor Bellwether and Mrs. Otterton leave, tells Judy that she has forty-eight hours to solve the case, mm -hmm. or she resigns. That's the deal. Yes. That she has to resign. So many things yes. are wrong with that. But yeah. oh yeah, yes. oh yeah. Like we're not even going to get into 
<sighs> bad um, Heimdall. Yeah. How, I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> yes. Same. same. Well, let's just bad. leave it at that. Bad Heimdall. Um, so she gets the file from, I think it's Clawhauser. Yeah, because he's, he's like, ooh, yeah. smallest file I've ever seen. Yeah, I hope you haven't staked your entire career on this. <laughs> right. And yet he's trying <laughs> to like, point things out. And he's like, look, evidence, none. Leads, none. And he's like trying, he's not trying on purpose to be a downer. He's trying to like, I get the impression that any officer for whom he'd pull a file, he'd do the same thing. Oh, here are your list of suspects. Here are mm-hmm. your list of, but the more he reads, the more you realize there's nothing in this file. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely nothing. So um, she looks at the one thing that is in the file, and that is a picture of Mr. Otterton from a traffic camera mm-hmm. that he was last seen at, his last known location. Um, and she notices that Nicholas Wilde, Nick, is in the photo. So she goes to find Nick and blackmails him into helping her because he's been avoiding taxes for forever. And the way that she does this is she has this little pen that looks like a carrot. It's so cute. It is. She recorded his confession about the taxes while he was bragging about it onto the pen. Mm -hmm. And she's like, look, it's two days. If you help me, I will never let anyone else know about this. And I'll erase it. Just help me. Because he just thought it was a pen. He didn't know it also recorded Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it's like, it's actually your word against your word. Right. He's like, well, it's your word against mine. And then she clicks the pen and he hears his own confession. She goes, so no, actually, it's your word against you. Um, and so he agrees to help. And the first place that they go is to this yoga studio where Mr. Otterton <laughs> would practice yoga. Yeah. And they, the people in this yoga studio practice au natural. And it's uh, it's so funny. Uh, the wildebeest at the front desk. He's the like, wildebeest is Tommy Chong of Cheech and Chong. <laughs> the comedians so who are like always like tomorrow's high whenever I get up, man. So like the fact yes. that he's this wildebeest is perfect. Yes, it's it's perfect. It's hilarious. And um, they even point out uh, to uh, I forget if it's Nick or Judy, but one of them points out you're not wearing any clothes. That's so weird. And the wildebeest is like, clothes on animals are weird. <laughs> exactly. He's not wrong. It's all it's all about a matter of perspective and what you're used to. It's yep. not weird, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I meant like so they, as like from a moral standpoint, not Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I mean it's just different, yeah. Don't I mean, yeah, okay, you can put you can dress up your dogs, but don't dress up your cats. They hate that. <laughs> yeah. don't do that don't don't yeah. don't do that yeah yeah um so the wildebeest has this point but then he he remembers exactly uh he remembers exactly what mr otterton was wearing so mr otterton had been there before he was uh before he disappeared the funniest thing was though he took he said oh this elephant who leads the yoga will remember everything mm-hmm. and the elephant remembers nothing and the wildebeest just keeps filling in all this information even though it's clear he's like real high but has the best memory ever yeah. and the elephant's like he's like 
who's Mr. Otterton? And he's like, you know, he's in your class on Wednesdays. Yeah, and he, he was, was wearing, he was last seen wearing this, this, and this. And I love that it was a play on elephants never forget. And this elephant yeah. remembered nothing. <laughs> it was, it was, mm-hmm. it was, there's just so many subtle, clever things in here. Mm-hmm. Right. And they end up finding out about a license plate of the car that Mr. Otterton got into. And so the next place that they go is the DMV. Oh, my dear Lord. Um, (laughs) This whole scene is amazing from beginning to end. They walk into the DMV and the entire DMV is staffed strictly, exclusively with slots. (laughs) This entire scene from beginning to end, I felt this in my soul. I have experienced yes. this. Yes. Because renewing your license should take 15 minutes and instead it takes an hour and a half. Yes. And just my dear lord, I Judy's frustration like cuz Nick tells a joke to the sloth whose name is Flash. Well, when, when he's on the it, last he, number that he needs to punch in. Right. Which is right. even worse. But you can see as you walk in and she's looking around and and she's like, they're all sloth. You can see the people they're serving. They are all frustrated. So frustrated. Right. And, and- the girl that's going to take the picture, she keeps looking at him and the camera because she doesn't know when is happening. And it goes so- off when she's not looking. Yes. So you I love that. Everything. It's, it makes you uncomfortably fun. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. It, it, it's. But like, especially. So Nick is. She's like, I need to look up this plate number. They put in the plate and he's repeating the numbers at like a fucking snail's pace and mm-hmm. he gets to the last number and then Nick goes, Hey, do you want to hear a joke? And the, the slow look up from the computer and the slow growing smile. And yes, I <laughs> would love to hear a joke. And then, so Nick <laughs> tells the joke and Judy is like, starting to lose her mind and from this point to the end of the whole exchange which is he finally gets the joke out and then flash the sloth turns to one of the other sloths to tell the joke at sloth speed and judy keeps interrupting to try and tell the joke to get to get it to go faster i felt her frustration at the very core of my being like it's to the point we were like get out of the way i'm gonna hop the counter and i'm gonna use the computer myself i will just like Get out of my way! Even when he's tearing yeah. up the, the the part, you know, the paper that he's given her, that he the goes perforations, one, the perforations, one. Yeah, one perf at a time, and I'm like, oh my god! Like I felt, I felt myself getting stressed out. Like <laughs> it's so funny. It, 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 it's it, it just... is very, very well done. Oh my god! And, it's yes, the it's... most like to kids, it would be funny because it's a sloth. To adults it's funny because it's relatable and true yes. like <laughs> yep. it was oh just hats off to whoever thought of that joke like that yes. was just so good it's so good it's so good and the thing is judy interrupting just makes it take longer uh, yes but you can't help it because you're so frustrated like <laughs> right and right. she's like it's not like i'm on a ticking clock or anything and my career rides on this or anything and the yeah. slot goes Oh, good. And then goes back to slowly typing. And I'm like, 
<laughs> like I was ready for her to start banging her head against the counter. Like yeah. I'm surprised she didn't. Um, so when they go in, it's like the middle of the afternoon. It's like mm-hmm. clearly bright and sunny. I think I get the feeling it's around like two o'clock for whatever reason. Not yeah. sure why. Yeah, it's like but, yeah, early but they afternoon, go, whatever. Yeah, it's it, it's it's afternoon. Clearly, sun's bright, sky mm-hmm. is blue. When they walk out, it is completely dark. Yeah, it will take that long to be at the DMV. Mm-hmm. Yep, but they did successfully run the plate, and they find out that it is registered to a limo company. But because it's night, they're closed. Mm-hmm. Nick climbs over the fence anyway, trying to get away from Judy, and she. Um, and he's like, "Haha, you can't come in until tomorrow." And she's like, "Well, you climb the fence. I You're can, trespassing. Actually. Uh, it's called probable cause. So thanks." And then she can climb the fence right. and she's not breaking any rules. Which but, is amazing. Um, they find out that uh, they find the car, the limo yes. that's being used. And I forget if they give the name or not, but they yeah, know they- it belongs to polar bears or something. No, Nick says when, they, when they're there, Nick says he knows exactly who the car belongs to for the things that has inside. Right, and, and he starts panicking. To Mr. Yeah, he's like, no, we need to get out of here because this belongs to Mr. Big. That's all we know. Mm-hmm. And then two huge polar bears find them. And I said to Sarah, as I was watching this for the first time, I said, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be funny if there was a polar bear mafia? <laughs> and then they get captured and it turns out there's a polar bear mafia. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, awesome. I like where this is going. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. thing I thought was when they said the crime boss, Mr. Big, Mr. Big, when I heard it, it was, um, it took me to Sex in the City, said Jessica Parker. Right. I thought <laughs> about that, Mr. but the, my second thought was Mr. Big is going to be the smallest animal we've ever seen just because it would be funny. Yes. And yet, and yet uh-huh. again. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So the polar bears take them to Mr. Big's house when they're celebrating their daughter's wedding. And yes. Uh, I do want to point out the reason that they end, uh, they do find claw marks in the backseat of this car. So they find proof that Mr. Otterton yes. was in the car. Oh, and they find his li- license. Yes. Can polar bears get in and out of a car without leaving claw marks, though? I did wonder this. In Zootopia, they could uh, probably. I don't know if they're retractable, like... Cats. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, yes, obviously, this is supposed to be like a crime is committed. There was a scuffle, but like, mm-hmm. do normal polar bear cars still have claw marks? Like, these were just maybe thought- not everywhere. Well, I mean, okay, I mean, dogs can have pretty sharp claws, and they walk around without leaving claw marks everywhere. I wouldn't know. So. I don't have a dog. Okay, so they go to um, Mr. Big's house. They're taken there. They they don't go. Um, and this is when we get the animated version, one of the most iconic scenes in film, which is the opening of The Grandfather. And Mr. Big... Even down to the voice that Mr. I Big know. does. And the yes. cadence of the voice and the accent that he does. The, the way that he's dressed, he even had the, the red flower. Uh, yes, and, I know. In, 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 in the pocket, yeah. Yes, so everything... You interrupt me on this night. Yes. Like, it's, like it's, I was like, oh my God. The Italian accent at my daughter's wedding. Everything, yeah. everything, everything. Um, so the only reason why they are safe from being executed is because Mr. Big's daughter comes in and and recognizes Judy. 
She's like, oh my walk. God, you're the one who saved me. And Judy's like, yes. And oh my God, your dress is beautiful. And she still means it. Hey, Even yeah. though she's in danger, she still means because the daughter is dressed in a wedding dress because mm-hmm. she's getting married. She's like, her dress is beautiful. Yeah. And, but I also wanted to point out that it was funny because he said, ice them. And because they live in Tundra Town, they just pull back the rug and it's a literal hole in the ice like you were ice fishing. Yes. So it was mm-hmm. I, like ice them on a literal level, not yes. just ice them as in like shoot them and throw them in the East River. Like, yeah. And, the, yeah. and the daughter's like, dad, you said no icing on my wedding. Right. Yeah. You promised. You yeah. promised. So the moral of the story, be nice to people. I mean, that's just the moral of life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the wedding, we find out that um, Otterton was being brought to Mr. Big because they had some business to discuss. discuss and then um, he went bonkers in the car. Um, he attacked the driver too. So um, Mr. And they Big, don't know why he went bonkers. Yes. He just lost mm-hmm. it. And it, this was this little otter that attacked um, the driver, who is Manchester's time kind of panther, I think. Yeah. So we have this yeah, he's little, a jaguar. So we have this little otter attacking a huge predator, a, a jaguar, and two polar bears. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they give him the address. So Judy and Nick go to see Manchus, um, who is, lives in the rainforest, because that's um, where jaguars live. Yes. Yes. To tell them the story, um, and it's the first time that we hear the the mention of the night howlers. What um, are the night howlers? We, we don't, don't know. know. So when they go there, um, Manchas opens the door, um, and when he's about to, well, opens a little bit, and then he says, "Okay, I'm going to talk." So he opens when he's about to open the door. Um, completely, he starts going bonkers um, and chases. Judy and Nick through the rainforest. Um, and of and- course, he's a, a, a jaguars are uh, they're predators. They're fast. Big they're cats. sleek. They're they can climb trees. Yeah. They're so like they're running through the rainforest. And this is like exactly out of watching a ne- National Geographic special mm-hmm. that Judy's like, oh my god, I'm about to get eaten by a jaguar that just went bonkers because. It doesn't matter why he's faster and this is what his mm-hmm. base instinct tells him to do. Hunt. This is what my parents mm-hmm. warned me about. Right. Always. They were mm-hmm. right. So when they're chasing her, Judy calls Clawhauser for help. Yes. And, <laughs> and he's playing with a new app. He's such a big kid. Um, dancing, putting his face in a dancing video with Shakira Shakira. I wanted him to be, because he said it's my dream to like meet her and dance with her. I wanted him at the end to be one of the dancers. And I was yes. sad that it wasn't. Yeah, but he's right. your dream. better. Live your dream, buddy. Yes. He's amazing. Well, so um, helps arrive, and obviously they don't believe Judy um, and Nick because Manchester is nowhere to be seen. Um, and Nick's a fox, and no one likes yes. Judy because she's a bunny. Yes. So we have the, mm-hmm. the perfect combo. So Bogo asks her for her badge in front of everybody. Saying, impose your badge, you're done. Yeah. It's, it's like impose his dominance. It's like, you know, give me, the, give me this. Um, and did he have to do it in front of everybody? No, he no, really it's a power to. move. He was, it, it seems like he had it for Judy from the beginning. From the very beginning, he's like, you're not going to make it. I got stuck with you because of some politics. Right. I, I never asked for this. I didn't want this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and Judy's still like, I've made more progress on this yeah, in, you know in two days. Well, no, that's not true. Because Judy goes to hand over 
her badge and Nick. Yeah, Nick stands up for her and and gets gets Bogo to keep his word and still had like 10 more hours to do the case. Because he, he says he the fox in front of this towering water buffalo mm-hmm. voiced by Idris Elba which makes him even more imposing saying look you promised her a certain amount of time she has 10 hours left and she's made more progress in a day and a half than you have in two weeks. I love you that the are, fact- you're gonna hold up your end of the bargain. The first thing he says, um, because Bogo starts raising his voice and says, give me your badge. And Nikki goes like, uh, no. Kind of yeah. like, you know, yeah, no. She will not giving you that badge. And, and, yes. and I love that Nick, this entire time that he's been like helping Judy, he's not really happy that he's helping Judy. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily convinced that Judy's going to be able to succeed or that following the law is the right thing to do but standing up to the chief of police and talking back with sass yes. to the chief of police mm-hmm. hand over your badge uh no no uh proves that he believes in her yes he does it's the first time mm-hmm. he's actively done something that shows judy i do have your back mm-hmm Yes, and whatever we can say about Nick and the way he acts or conducts his business, he will not stand for abuse of power. He no, he will. He, will um, he still has the heart to defend the innocent, to defend the powerless, um, because he has been in that situation, and mm-hmm. now he is. He's truly showing. He let his guard down, and he's truly showing who he is, what he stands up for. And he says it in a way, in this very smart, calm way, like, this is not what we're going to do. And um, I really, really like how he's character. I respect the hell out of him, because Bogo was yelling, and he's just, like, calm and factual, and he's like, nope, here's what you're going to do. You're going to give her the 10 hours, you're going to walk away, and you're going to let us do our job, and we're going to solve this Mm -hmm. case for you. So we will see you in 10 hours. Goodbye. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, that's even more powerful than if he had to have yelled at him. Well, if he started yelling, he would have been in cuffs and, and taken somewhere. So I think he already was in cuffs. Yeah, but I mean, mm-hmm. removed from the scene. So the, yes. so Nick and, and I was going to say, and the bunny. So Nick and Judy um, go in this um, cart, cable car. Cable carts. Um, so Nick tells her his story. Um, he wanted to be a scout. Uh, a junior scout, and he was bullying, bullied for being a predator. Uh, the other kids put a muscle on him because he's a dangerous um, animal, and he and tell him that he's dumb to think that he could join. This hurt my soul, but that's not what I'm about to say here. This proves that Nick is Judy's mirror. They encountered the same situation when they were young, bigotry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nick took away from the situation. I can't let myself get hurt like that again. I'm going to shut down. I'm I'm going to build up these walls. I'm not going to let anyone get through to me emotionally. Mm-hmm. Judy took it as challenge accepted. Come at me. I'm going to follow my dream. Just try and stop me. And mm-hmm. that's why they work so well together because they are the same. They are opposite sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. They're both very smart. They're both very practical thinkers. Yes. Um, and very observant. Yes. So the thing the thing that Nick says, he says two things. Never let let them see that they can get to you. And 
if they are going to see me as untrustworthy, there is no point in trying to be anything else. That This entire thing, like the fact that he still firmly believes that as an adult, just shows how much this this instance damaged him. It and broke him. I, it changed it's his personality. Not the only one. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because when you see him as a kid, he's so excited and enthusiastic and open and trustworthy, trusting, and mm-hmm. was and like, trying I'm to sorry, be trustworthy. Tiny scouts, tiny Nick in a tiny scout uniform. Oh it my so god. Cute. Yes. I. I it was I'm so just, cute. I'm currently squealing only at a level that dogs can hear. <laughs> yeah this, this but yeah and like like i said it just shows how much it damaged him doing this and that he carries that into adulthood and i mean poor poor guy he needs some therapy yes and i looked this up the other day because nick tries to join the scouts and they're all like yes you can join you can join we'd love to have you and then they take him into a basement and muzzle him and beat him up and we're like how could you think that we would ever trust you and he leaves crying and i looked it up uh this movie zootopia came out in march of 2016 march or april Mm -hmm. and which means it was written obviously and finished before that in december of 2016 it made headlines that the Boy Scouts of America had denied entrance to a transgender individual. And I don't know where the Scouts currently stand Mm -hmm. on this, the Boy Scouts of America. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do know that since then, the Girl Scouts of America have accepted uh, transgender individuals into their scouting program. That's amazing. And to think that it really hit me because this was the first thing I thought of when they said, oh, you're a predator. We'd never let you in. I was like, this is this is like when they said they wouldn't accept trans individuals. And then I found out that it was it was written before this actually happened in real life. So it almost has that eerie quality of Mm -hmm. like art becoming life. Yes. Mm. I would also like to point out, I just looked it up because I was curious. Uh, according to a CNN article in uh, January of 2017, um, the Boy Scouts of America said that it will begin accepting members based on their gender identity. So it it does now accept transgender. Okay. Members. But as a, yeah, I found out that, well, it made headline news that they had, uh, the CNN article said that they had denied a trans individual entrance in like mid-December of 2016 and this Mm -hmm, movie mm -hmm. was released in March or April of 2016 which means Mm -hmm. they had written this scene long before this became an issue Mm -hmm. and I watched this and thought oh my god this actually happened in real life Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's I'm I'm very glad to have learned and to know that both scouting troops except individuals of all kinds Mm -hmm. but it just goes to show that like this may be a kids movie but the issues they discuss are absolutely real and absolutely happen in everyday life and here's proof Mm -hmm. oh absolutely so um nick Nick realizes that they can track the jaguar by following the traffic cams and they go to bellwether at the major's uh, major mayor's office bellwether's so cute she is well one of She's the like we small animals need to stick together one of the funniest yes. um 
one of the funniest uh, scenes for me happened here because when they go there, Nick that touches her the top of the sheep's head, and he's like, "She's so fluffy, right? She, never, she will never get me. Let me get this close." Um, it's, and he's like, "It's like cotton candy." <laughs> do, you, do you think when she goes to sleep, she counts herself? It was very funny. Maybe she counts her friends. <laughs> yes. So it's like Sam, Maria, yes. Linda, um, James. So when they go there, um, she she accepts to help to help them. And here we see again abuse of power towards smaller women, smaller animals. In this guy, in this case, um, the uh, mayor lion or Lionheart calls her Smellweather. Oh, he calls her like three different things in this span of 45 seconds because he's like, come here, I need this thing. I needed you here 30 seconds ago. And every time it's a different name. And I don't, I think he's changing names because he doesn't actually know her name or care to know it. Well, the, no. And so if he calls her like that on purpose is an issue. And the fact that he didn't learn who she is and she does everything for him is, an, is a, another issue. And oh, also- yeah. He close slams the door in her face. Oh yeah, Ugh. you're an ass, yeah, Jonah she, Jameson. Oh, he is. But the fact that she is assistant mayor, arguably second in power in the city, right? Mm-hmm. And he treats her like his personal assistant is an issue. Yes, right. The, and oh, quite frankly, I think it also speaks to how women in power are treated. Yes, and yes, women in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What I want to say is that I do like that these scenes are so explicit, so in your face to show kids what you're not supposed to do. Right. These- they may not realize it at that age because they're mm-hmm. looking at it as those are animals, but then when they get to when they get older, they'll realize this is social and political commentary on humanity mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. presented in an, a child acceptable format but we had to change nothing about the content to other than make it an animal yes. nothing else about the situation had yes. to change yes and if you're a smart parent you can talk about it with characters you can talk about um, important social issues Yes, it's a, it's a great teaching jumping off point. Absolutely. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know, even though I don't, I don't like all the bullying. Um, I do like that this is something that you can translate to your kids, real life, that they will understand. And that's that's mm-hmm. the whole point. They, there's so much in here that we don't like that is then changed later by the end of the story. That the parents can say, look. You see how it went wrong, and this is why it's wrong, and this is why you don't do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so they find the footage uh, to what happened to Manchas. He was kidnapped by the wolves. They call them the night howlers because <gasps> what they do. Night howlers? Yeah. We didn't know what those were, but now we know they're Now wolves. we know. So they oh. were to uh, the place where they took Manchas, and... Um, it's like this big fancy ass mansion. I love it. I know it looked to me. It looked like the uh, Citizen Kane kind of mansion. Mansion. Yes. Yes. With the, yeah, with the yeah. gates and everything. Um, but they they know it's it it's- said old money to me because of the fancy gates with the guardhouse and yes. the wrought iron. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like 
Batman type movie. Yeah, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Bruce Do you know Wayne that Batman, Batman lives in Bruce Wayne's basement? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that one. Yeah. So when they get mm-hmm. to this building, um, they pass all the wolf guards because they start. Judy starts howling, and it's this it is was so funny to me because my German shepherd used to do that. See, and I'm not a. I like dogs, but I grew up with cats. I've never had a dog. My sister has two dogs. But you always, like, see when you have a bunch of dogs on the street, if one starts barking, then the other. And, like, you hear the wolves talking to each other, and Judy howls, and the one wolf howls, and the second wolf says, stop it, you're going to set all of us off. So Judy does it again. Mm -hmm. And then soon every wolf, it's like whether they want to or not, are howling, and that's the perfect distraction. And I was just like... That's so simple. It's funny. Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's hilarious. So this old place looks like either a hospital or a lab, and they have all the missing mammals. They find them there. To me, it looked like an abandoned as- a- insane asylum. Yes. Yeah, that's very much the vibe that I got. It gave me very Arkham Asylum vibes of mm-hmm. here's where we used to keep prisoners and do creepy experiments on them that were totally illegal, but it's been shut down now, but we're using it. So no one knows. Yes, exactly. Um, so mm-hmm. they find all the, all the uh, missing mammals, including Manchus and Otterton. And um, they're all in the wild, wild state on the feral state. They don't know why. So Judy describes this as a kind of a hospital lab. Can I just say, and I mean, this isn't funny, but it, it, I don't know what other word to use other than funny. You saw these feral predators in their cages. And I thought, oh my goodness, it's literally animal testing. When yes. you think about like how they talk about animal testing, like products, mm-hmm. uh, how before they get to human trials they do animal testing and i was like this is literally animal testing it is mm-hmm. it is um here's where we get the first big turn in the story because we see the mayor being involved into all this and judy's trying to um get film filmic to get proof of what they're doing and her phone starts ringing so they find always put your phone on silent when you're sneaking into a place exactly <laughs> And so um, the phone rings, but they, they managed to escape. Um, so also, go- I knew not to trust you, J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> of course. You have it out for Spider-Man. Like, honestly. Um, You're just the worst. So Judy tells, uh, she, they go to, um, she goes back to CBD. She tells Chief Bogo and they arrest the mayor and the scientist that was there. The mayor keeps saying that he was trying to protect the city because they don't know why this is happening. Now, I believe Mayor Lionheart when he says he doesn't know why this is happening. Mm-hmm. I believe that he was well-intentioned. There had to have been a better way to go about dealing yes. with this issue. There absolutely had to have been a better way. Yes. I get that he was trying to avoid mass panic, mm-hmm. which, yeah, but still, there had to have been a better way to deal with the animals that have gone feral. Yes. See, I kind of took it a different way. Now- maybe because I think about like superheroes and stuff a lot. I saw it as everything. What you, what you just said is true, but patient zero didn't happen by accident. I thought they were trying. Somebody jump started the first one, mm-hmm. which, and then led to everybody else 
the other 13 of the 14 that were missing to spontaneously mm-hmm. go feral. And that's why they're like, we don't know why this is happening. Mm-hmm. So I thought he was telling a half truth that we don't know why it's happening now. We do know why it's happening or it happened to the first animal, but I'm not going to tell you that. But that was just my own theory. But no, I took it as he had absolutely no idea. Like, I didn't see it as a natural mutation. I saw it was like jump-starting Armageddon and just to test it on one thing, and then it grew. And now they're like, we don't know why this is happening because we only did this one thing. That's the story of the government. I mean, they don't tell us everything they know. And that got mentioned in the movie. And I was like, wow, that's a (laughs) mic drop right there. Yes. Um, so Judy gives the press conference after this where she innocently says the truth, or, I mean, tells the truth to everybody, that all animals are of the family, of the prayer family. Um, she also says oh, that all in, the in, animals who were found yes. rabid yes. were not all animals or predators, but like yeah. every one of the missing animals that was found to have gone rabid yes. was of the predator type. Yes. She also says that it might have something to do um, with their DNA. Um, Which is what she heard the scientists say to the mayor. Yes. And the Um, scientists also said, may, but we're not sure. Yes. Um, Right. Yeah, I think that she felt bad that that she didn't know what he was saying. Because they asked her, do we know why? And I think she felt kind of cornered or bad or maybe was her um, inexperience. That's why Mm -hmm. she repeated what the scientists said. And... um, he uh, then she uh, she goes back to Nick and Nick is kind of surprised and hurt and mad that she said this about predators, um, and he asks a very important question. He says, "Are you afraid of me?" And part of her wanted to say yes, or at least I don't know. And so he like plays up the "I'm gonna get you," like mm-hmm. like jumps in on a move. Like, that looks mm-hmm. like he's going to hurt her, knowing he's not going to hurt her. And she instinctively backs up and grabs for her fox her repellent. Fox and mm-hmm. his yeah. whole face crumples because he's like, see, I knew it. You mm-hmm. are afraid of me, even if you don't understand it. Yeah, and he also, said, he also said, I noticed that the first time I met you. Kind of like I was giving you the benefit of the doubt to see if you were going to use it or not. And um, one of the big points here that I want to make is the influence that um, journalism and the media has in molding opinions and taking and giving us what they want us to know. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are only a few, very few media that are truly independent and they give you the news as it is without trying to... Um, form an idea um, what I saw in the movie itself at the beginning when when we see the pictures you know we see um, in CPD the pictures of all the mammals that are missing in the map each one has like their own smiling picture and all of a sudden now that they're all caught and they're all um, in their wild and it's not state, even caught it's free yeah it's found mm-hmm. f- not i don't think they're free they're found well not free but they've been found yes and- so now that they're found but they are in the dangerous state because they're dangerous to the public then the pictures they, they took show, the highway 
Yes. To the danger zone. To the danger zone. Um, the pictures mm -hmm. that are shown are all of them with muscles. Black and white pictures. Um, I heard you say with muscles, and I was like, so they just look really good. Yeah. No, I, no, muz muzzles. So we see them uh, in black and white, kind of like mag shots. Yes. Like crazy yeah. mag shots. And, you know, I, I, I talk to this a lot, and it really bugs me because I see it so much um, on how big events will mark you if you're at a certain ethnicity, different ethnicities. And it will, what media wants to tell about you is what the public is going to tell about you. There's some races that if you commit a crime, you're instantly guilty. And there are others that you are an innocent, that something happened to you or someone kind of pushed you in the wrong direction. Well, I mean, just look at what they're saying about that guy in Atlanta who took a gun and shot up a bunch of massage parlors. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. Oh, the Asian I didn't hear this about this. was a few weeks. This was this was a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, there was a guy in Georgia who um he went and uh to eight different massage or six different massage parlors mm -hmm. and shot a bunch of different women. Yeah, of um Asian descent. Yep, he was a white guy, and uh, when they initially did the uh, press conference, the police officer who was doing the statement said that he was just having a bad day. Yes. Are, are you are you kidding? No. 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 And this is he said he was having a bad day, so he went and shot yep. up mm -hmm. six. The power I'm sorry, of the I'm media just disgusted because I I didn't hear about this story, and that just oh, I'm I'm sorry. I thought you knew. Otherwise, no. I wouldn't have. I no, just. That's the point the point I'm trying to make is every um, media outlet has its own yes. bent. They have their own agenda. So you have to be very careful of what you hear, what you believe, and please do not get your news from TikTok or any web or media. no matter where you get your news from, try and get your news from multiple sources. Yes. It's yes. it's just like with voting. Do your own research. Yes. Make sure that you can f like pretend you're Sherlock Holmes and do your own investigation mm -hmm. so that you can find and put together the truest, clearest picture of what actually happened mm -hmm. rather than just believing it from one source that may be very liberal or very conservative or because it, we are inherently flawed because we are human beings. We are, it is impossible to have no bias, mm -hmm. but it, by going to multiple sources, we can figure out what's bi a bias statement and what's more of a fact. Yes. So don't mm -hmm. just accept everything as truth. We're not calling you gullible. We're just mm -hmm. saying, be smart, be smart about it. You were gifted a brain. Think and draw your own conclusions. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we see this um, influence the next couple of days in Zootopia. Um, I mean, it, it made me think of Joan Calamezzo in uh, Parks and Recreation, where especially the episode, because Joan is the, she hosts a media talk show. Yes. And she yes. is the worst. Um, 
that they're going to host the harvest festival and mm-hmm. she she heard overheard somebody say jokingly oh maybe it's cursed and so she goes up to leslie and she's like so what's i what is this i hear about uh it's cursed and that there have been people uh buried on this indian burial ground quick cameraman get some pictures of some spooky looking corn and whatever and just (laughs) runs with this ridiculous totally made up story Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's exactly what this press conference kind of led to the questions that were asked to Judy and the fallout the Mm -hmm. next couple days, people took this story and were like, okay, I'm going to be afraid of all predators. I'm going to, they took it to the extreme. That's, that's why, you know, what the media, what they want you to believe, that's where they steer you towards. And um, showing the, the, these predators in, in, Muscles, 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 muscles in, yeah, in that. Um, and that's the thing you don't want to get your information and your beliefs through fear, mm -hmm. you want to get your information through fact and evidence. Yes, so this has it, this is in all the news outlets there, uh, in Zootopia. So everybody is even turning to your own neighbors. You don't, you don't like your neighbors, you and everything. Uh, nobody trusts anybody, especially it's like predators. the red scare that happened here in the United States, uh, with McCarthyism in the 70s. Mm-hmm. That suddenly you were suspecting your neighbors of being secret communists, like yes. this is mm-hmm. thing people who you have known your entire life suddenly look sketchy to you for no reason mm-hmm. other than what you heard someone say on the news, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Gazelle is trying to do. Uh, oh, you're going to say Gaston. I don't Gaston. know why. <laughs> Gazelle is trying to do. Uh, I think they do a peace rally, and I think the concept that she she brings up are great. Um, she says we need to celebrate our difference, and also it is irresponsible to label all predators as savages. Um, again, mm-hmm. the power of the media, and don't let fear divide us. And these are such powerful words, words, especially when they come from someone that everybody knows. I, that's what I wanted to build on, that it, celebrities have such power and it is so lovely to see people use these platforms to, um, to spread hope and peace and good information. I'll give you a perfect example. Back mm-hmm. before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, um, Lady Gaga has been politically active for like 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And she obviously has her own views. And regardless of whether or not you were agree with them, she would go on her Instagram, on her Twitter, and be like, look, if this issue is important to you, write to your senator about it. I don't care if you agree with my view or not. If you message me, how do I get in contact with my senator? Because I don't know how mm-hmm. I will help you find that information. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me what you believe. If you have a feeling about, about an issue and you want your voice to be heard, I will help you make your voice heard. She wasn't taking sides. Yeah. She was saying, look, the government is based on the power of the people. If you, I will help you make that connection. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's fantastic. Yes. 
Yes, we have to applaud everyone because they have such huge reach to these right. people. And to be able to say, look, you know, and not because many people will say, hey, you know, I'll help you, but you got to believe what I believe. Yeah. She was saying, no, I don't care if you think that don't ask, don't tell should stay as it is. If you want to write to your senator and you don't know how to find in your state's webpage mm-hmm. who your senator is, send me a private message and I will get you that information. I will get you your senator's phone number and email and address their to their Senate office so you can write them and express your opinion. Yeah. Every opinion is a valid opinion. Yes. Yes, it is. Which I thought was very big of her. And it was the first time I could remember any celebrity or person of that status saying, I am willing to help anyone regardless of whether you agree with me. Yeah. Um, so we see these um, trickles down to everybody and Clohauser, uh, our best buddy, now is packing his stuff uh, because of he's being discriminated against being a predator. Um, so they, they said didn't want the front desk reader, even though he does more than that, yes. uh, to be a predator because it might scare people off from yes. coming to the police for help. So they send them Which to the basement. So sad. To records, yeah, it broke my heart because you couldn't find anyone more enthusiastic and friendly to welcome people. Right. He, despite the fact that he is a predator, he is the friendliest person in mm-hmm. the entire ZPD that we see through the whole movie. Yes. So, um, we see Judy, she's carrying the weight of the world in her shoulder. She feels guilty. Um, they're trying to make her the face of CPD because of these, um, famous status that she has now like they um, want to put her on posters yes. with like the come to cpd if you have a problem or like we're here to help you and yeah. have her be the mm-hmm. the spokesperson right for, for everything mm-hmm. um but she she feels like the, the she doesn't deserve that because she started she broke the city so she um gives her badge to um chief bogo and she quits the cpd and I just want to say, I mean, Judy at the beginning, it would have been her dream to be the face of the ZPD. Yes. But now knowing that the social unrest would have probably would have happened regardless of what she said at the, at the protest, but most or at the press conference, but mostly because of what she said, she feels like she doesn't deserve to be the face of the ZPD because she's not the hero in this story. She's the villain. And each time, if she had agreed, each time she would see a poster, she would see that as a reminder, look what I did. Yeah. And she needs to, she knows I I can't live with what I did. I need to fix this. But obviously being a police officer is not the way to fix this. It's the most Hufflepuff, most Leslie Nope thing I've ever heard. And it breaks my heart because it's exactly, it's exactly what I would do. Yeah. Even though what she said, she didn't mean to hurt anybody. At this point, everyone's scared and doesn't want to listen to reason. And so she, at this point, she's like, I don't deserve to be here. I have lost that right mm-hmm. because I made things worse. Things will get better if I remove myself from the situation. 
Yeah. Well, it's it's hard once fear is installed. It, it's hard to go back or explain. There's always going to be that part of people that's going to say, "But what if predators are? You know, this all this is true." Um. So yeah, she she quits her dream. She resigns. Right. She mm-hmm. goes home to Bunnyborough and she helps her parents sell carrots and she's miserable. And mm-hmm. like my heart aches for her because she wanted to make a difference by being a police officer and she succeeded on that front. Mm-hmm. She made a difference, but in the exact opposite way she hoped to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And because she feels like the whole thing is her fault. She thought that maybe resigning would be a step forward towards fixing things, but obviously it isn't. You can tell that she'd fix absolutely anything. She'd give anything Mm -hmm. to undo what she did. Mm -hmm. And so she's working the carrot stand and a bakery truck pulls up and, um, the bakery works with uh, the Hops family as the pastry chef who uses their pies, um, mm-hmm. or the fruits in their pies. And out of the truck gets Gideon, comes Gideon, the fox who beat her up as a little kid. Yep. And mm-hmm. Gideon recognizes Judy and says hello and confesses to her and apologizes. And he said, look, I had a lot of self-doubt that manifested as unchecked rage and aggression. And I'm sorry for the way I treated you. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. And I was absolutely floored listening to this because this is, I mean, this is something that you could only get someone to say if they had gone to therapy and talked it out. Because first of all, the phrasing of it is very mm-hmm. therapy, but also to get someone who as a kid was clearly so filled with anger to deal with those issues and learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And then the first time they see that person, the first thing they want to do is apologize. That is such personal growth. I applaud this Fox. Good for you, Gideon. And it kind of gives it makes it's one of the first times you see Judy smile since she got home because she's like, well, thank you for the apology. That means a lot. I forgive you. Mm-hmm. But she's like, people can change. Yeah. This is another great thing to show kids that, um, yes, he was a bully. He learned from it. He apologized. Give, you know, forgive yourself, forgive others and give opportunities to change yes and i also want to say that it shows growth on her parents part as well because they are working with him their business partners yeah supplier yeah their business partners they're his supplier and this happened after judy left Mm -hmm. because she didn't know about it so they the parents took a chance working with gideon Mm -hmm. while judy was gone knowing that gideon had bullied her as a kid the parents say they. I think they expressly say, um, "We took like a leaf from your book or a page from your book, and we and took a leap of faith to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. to him. So I think they even say it. You know, you were the one who showed us that this was okay, right? Mm-hmm. And this just yes. stresses that mental health is so important, and that 
I mean, it's not expressly shown here that he went to therapy, but therapy gets such a bad rap. Mm-hmm. And let because it oh, it makes you look weak or you're not strong enough to handle things yourself or mm-hmm. oh, men don't go to therapy because that makes them pussies. Well, they don't all even of, cry, so. All of that is bullshit. Yes. I just yes. want to say I want to get on my soapbox for a minute and say as someone who throughout her life has been to therapy for many years. It takes so much strength to even admit to yourself that you need help. And then even more strength to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. even more strength to listen to the help that you're given. And mm-hmm. tell yourself it's okay that I am accepting this help. It Don't let anybody tell you that you are a worse person or uh, weak or any bad adjective you can think of for going to seek help. Yes. You are bettering yourself. You are bringing peace to your to yourself inside and outside. And every little act of kindness makes the world a better place. Mm-hmm. It does. There will always be someone there to listen Mental health should always be the priority. Yourself, other others, mental health, or health, not help. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it's okay. There is nothing wrong with being overwhelmed and not being able to handle things yourself. Mm-hmm. You are one and, person, I mean- and the world is a hella stressful place. Yes, yes, it is. And uh, I would just like to say on that front. I recently started therapy myself for some things that I have been dealing with for a really long time. So no, I agree with Sarah. It is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And it doesn't even have to be talking to somebody. It could be something like keeping a journal and then shredding the pages because you don't, you just need to get these thoughts out. You don't, it Mm. could be talking to somebody. It could be doing meditation or yoga, Mm -hmm. or it could just be turning on the loudest rock music and screaming into a pillow, whatever get helps you feel better and, and gives you the ability to sort through your own emotions and your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's always a good thing. So this was it. I mean, when Gideon apologized to Judy, it, I felt as if I had been slapped. I was so shocked that it was mm-hmm. so blatant that things had changed so much. I I was floored because you almost never see that. No. Mm. So I can get down off my soapbox now. Okay. But um, uh, I'll just leave you with this. Um, treat yourself kindly. Treat others kindly. It's okay to ask for help if you need it. Yes. So Judy and Gideon and Judy's parents are talking about the the pies and the near the carrot stand there are some pretty purple flowers and Gideon says, "Oh yeah, you know, they're the night howlers." And Judy's like, "What?" <laughs> and Gideon's like, "Well, that's what my family calls the purple flowers. They they look like hyacinths. They call them night howlers." And Judy's parents are like, "Yeah, they your uncle went crazy after eating one once. Mm-hmm. I think they put it there in a way to um, scare 
other animals to go and eat the vegetables that are planted. Right, right. It's kind of like instead of pesticides. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's (laughs) like, oh, well, if the purple flowers will make me crazy, probably everything behind the purple flowers will also make me crazy. So I'm not going to go there. But so Judy goes, oh, my God. The fact that the night the wolves were called the night howlers is just pure coincidence. That's not what's making all of these animals go nuts. It's these flowers. Mm-hmm. So if she can find out who's growing the flowers, it'll be the, the start of the trail of evidence to who's making the pre- uh, the predators go feral, mm-hmm. who's giving the orders, and why they'd want to do this. Mm-hmm to the different animals. So Mm -hmm. she's like, Oh my God, I can find the evidence. I can bring it to city hall. I can fix the mistake I've made. I can fix the town. I can stop the violence, but I need help. I need someone Mm -hmm. who knows everyone in Zootopia. Mm -hmm. I need Nick. And so she goes to Nick and Nick doesn't even, she's like, I, I found out that the, uh, the night howlers are flowers, and he's like, "Good for you. Don't care." And uh, turns uh, turns his back on her, and she explains everything. And I I just want to say, and I'm going to give you her speech to him because this spe- this scene deserves awards in itself for writing for sincerity for how realistic it is mm-hmm. it takes real strength to admit that you're wrong and even more to mm-hmm. ask the person that you've wronged for help and judy is doing all of this and she's not asking for his help for her own benefit mm-hmm. she's asking for the citizens of zootopia and she says cuz he turns away and she goes wait listen I know you'll never forgive me and I don't blame you. I wouldn't forgive me either. I was ignorant and irresponsible and small-minded, but predators shouldn't suffer because of my mistakes. I have to fix this, but I can't do this without you. And, and after we're done, you can hate me and that'll be fine because I was a horrible friend and I hurt you and, and you can walk away knowing that you were right all along I really am just a dumb bunny. I mean, it hits you right in the heart. Oh, my God. It does. I nearly cried. Teddy's crying, too. I, mean, I don't know if that picked she, up on the recording. He wanted to say so much. And by the way that Nick acts, I think he forgave her as soon as he saw her come back. Mm-hmm. But he waited um, to give her the opportunity to say all these things. And so he's still facing away from her and she's waiting for him to do anything, to say anything. And out of his pocket, he pulls Judy's carrot pen, Mm -hmm. which she had left with him and clicks the top of the carrot. And you hear Judy's voice saying, I really am just a dumb bunny. (laughs) And she like starts laughing, crying. And the fact that Nick kept the pen after the press conference, after realizing that Judy's afraid of him, it's physical evidence of his continuous character development. He's been Mm -hmm. teasing her and trying to stop Judy from acting like a cop this whole time. But this proves that he was learning and seeing through someone else's eyes other than his own. Mm -hmm. And that 
maybe the way other people do things also might work yes. and that he cares. Yes. And mm-hmm. that's what really, so she's like, so you'll work with me. And he keeps playing that. I really just am a dumb bunny. Yeah. And she's like, now you're just doing it to get me to keep the, and they hug. And she's like, now yeah. you're just doing it to keep it away from me. So I can't get to it. She, he's like, I'll give it back to you in 48 hours and then you can erase it. <laughs> and they, um, he agrees to help her. He's like, yes, we'll do this. And it's, it's a beautiful scene. Yes. It's just so well Truly. written and just, oh my goodness. So they agree because uh, Judy has told him everything about what she learned about the hyacinths and the, mm-hmm. like, everything. And they go to find uh, the Duke of Weaseltown. The Duke of Weaseltown. Uh, uh, Duke Weaselton, who was the one who was selling the Night Howlers. Yes. Um. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why are you selling these? And he refuses to talk. Mm -hmm. So they take him to Mr. Big. And (laughs) Mr. Big threatens, again, to ice him, throw him into the ice hole. And uh, uh, Weaselton is like, no, no, I'll talk, I'll talk, I'll talk. (laughs) He's like, I grew these flowers and I sold them to a, a ram named Doug. And he's super unfriendly. And they're like, well, thank you for your information. So, Nick and Judy go to find Doug the Ram's base of operations where he's growing the Night Howlers. Mm -hmm. And it's an abandoned uh, subway car on an abandoned subway track. And um, this felt very V for Vendetta for me. For anybody who's seen the movie with the end, like, sending the... Especially because it's... It's the subway car heading towards City Hall full of bombs but covered in roses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was why uh, it really, like, I, I found that parallel. But so while they're in this subway car, because mm-hmm. they're trying to take pictures and videos of this, Doug the Ram gets a call from someone. And they only can hear his side of the conversation. But it's revealed that Doug has been shooting predators with little like paintball sized pellets of the night howler flower mm-hmm. proving uh Nick and Judy's theory that predators are intentionally being targeted mm-hmm. but they don't know mm-hmm. who he's talking to so um uh Doug notices them and they're like, oh, crap. So Judy throws Doug out of the car and gets the rusty old subway car moving, trying with the goal being trying to get this car full of uh, flowers and evidence to Mm -hmm. uh, ZPD station in City Hall. So Doug's a ram. He manages to get back in the car. He's not really easy to stop. He's big (laughs) and strong. Judy gets thrown on top of the subway car after being thrown out of the car. And then they realize that this is not an abandoned subway track. There is another subway train coming at them on the same track. And they oh. are going to crash. Oh. And uh, they crash. The end. They- <laughs> that would be a terrible way to end a Disney movie. Oh, my goodness. Um. And, it's worse than the end of The Sopranos. Right. And 
so Nick is still in the like control booth where the subway driver would be. Judy is like mm-hmm. on top of the freaking subway train. And we're getting closer and closer to being smashed by an oncoming train. Mm-hmm. And Judy's like, speed up, speed up. And Nick's like, what? what? <laughs> and like, that's just going to make us crash faster. And she goes, Nick, trust me. And he goes, oh, I got chills. Okay. And Good. so he speeds up and she man- Judy manages to throw Doug off the top of the subway car and have his body hit the track switch button mm-hmm. so that they go off in a different direction at the last second without crashing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the fact that this is literally a life or death situation and they had only apologized, Judy had only apologized what earlier today. Mm-hmm. She says, trust me. And he does. That's, that's huge. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, mm-hmm. I think everything she does, especially coming back and apologizing, is why Nick changed his mind or not changed his mind. I think it solidified in his mind who she is, what she stands for, and I can trust her. Right. She isn't like the rest. She truly speaks from her heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they managed to change course, but the the new train line runs into a dead end and they're like, oh God, oh God, we're going to die. We're going to lose all the evidence. I can't, and Judy's like, I can't leave. And Nick like bodily hauls her out of the train car and mm-hmm. it crashes and maybe some of the evidence survives. And, and then explodes. explodes. And Judy's like, I've got nothing. This was all for nothing. And Nick was like, well, Except this briefcase with the dart gun and a couple samples of the uh, flowers that I happen to hold on to. <laughs> and she's like, she hugs him and was like, you're amazing. Yes. We can now get this to, Hang we up. can get this, we can get this to um, assistant mayor Bellwether because mm-hmm. uh, mayor Lionheart had already been arrested yes. previously. Um mm-hmm. So they come out of the subway and assistant mayor Bellwether is waiting for them. And Judy's like, oh my God, thank God, somebody I can give this information to. Because this whole time Bellwether has said, you know, if you have a friend at City Hall, if you need one, us women, us small animals need to stick together. Mm -hmm. And Judy's so relieved. And then she realizes, why would Bellwether know where they are? Yes. Judy has been off the grid. Judy hasn't told anybody anything. She's not a member of the police force anymore. Why mm-hmm. would the assistant mayor, who is now technically mayor, mayor, know where Judy is? And she's flanked by two rams. Right. Mm-hmm. And who may or may not be angry that Doug just got thrown into a train switch back mm-hmm. in the rail yard. Yes. And that's when it hits Judy that Bellwether must be the one who's orchestrating this whole thing. Yeah. And so Bellwether's like, give me the case. And she's like, no, no. So she tells Nick to run and they come up in the National History Museum and they're Mm -hmm. trapped. And I want to, 
uh, go back for a moment to think about the press conference that Judy gave mm-hmm. that she parroted back what the scientists said about everybody going crazy was a predator. It could be, but we're not sure. And how that spun out to all the people asking all the questions. And now that we know that bellwether is behind this, mm-hmm. knowing that Judy has been on the force at the point of the press conference for 48 hours at most, mm-hmm. could it have been mm-hmm. possible that, Be- that bellwether arranged for Judy to be the one to do the press conference on purpose because bellwether would know that she would have no idea how to talk to the press Mm -hmm. and the press would spin her story out of control into whatever fear mongering they wanted to do with it. Could this have been orchestrated from the beginning? Um, I don't think it was planned, but I think she took advantage of a good situation. Um, I I don't think she planned it because she didn't know that, um, that Judy was going to discover all this, but she saw the, the she saw an opportunity and she took it. This was a way to get her message out much faster. To start the fear train rolling yes. before mm. she truly expanded yes. the whole operation. But yes. I just thought it was interesting. Like once I got there and it was revealed, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" Because the person who pushes Judy on stage to give the press conference is Bellwether. Yeah, and when she mm-hmm. com- climbs down and Judy feels bad, Bellwether says, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Like, nothing happened. Like, you did perfect. Right. She didn't. And right. Bellwether... Bellwether is pleased because she that. said exactly what she needed. What Bellwether wanted her to say. Yes, without being on scripted. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that that was very interesting as I was watching for the first time, I was like, wait a minute, this sketchy, adorable lamb has been plotting this the whole time. Could she have put Judy in front of these cameras knowing the odds of her saying something bad would be very, very high because she's never spoken to the press Mm -hmm. before. I think she took advantage of everything. It was a perfect combo. Yes. I think so too, yeah. And the fact that so they're in the uh, they're in the National History Museum and they're trapped. She and Nick versus Bellwether and the two Rams. Mm-hmm. And Bellwether is taunting uh, taunting Judy, and all I'm hearing is Mona Lisa Saperstein because um, because she gets very sassy here, and that's when it comes Don't out. Be suspicious. Um, Don't be suspicious. Be suspicious. Right, which is true, which is what she was saying to yes. herself this whole time until now when her plan has been revealed. Um, and one of the Rams manages to knock Nick and Judy into an, an enclosure that's like a hollowed out pit. Mm-hmm. Kind of looks like the savannah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But so they can't get out. And Bellwether shoots Nick with a night howler dart. Mm-hmm. And Bellwether is like, well... I forget if they were filming this or not, but whatever. Bellwether's like, it's such a shame. Uh, your body will just be listed as a when the news hits as another tragedy of a predator gone feral. And Nick's coming for coming closer and closer to Judy and growling. 
and Bellwether's basically making the classic villain mistake of spilling mm-hmm. their plan. Of course. Never, never spill your plan. Never tell your plan what, to anyone. Never. What is it with villains and monologuing and telling They're egotistical. They need everyone to know that they are they are better than the rest of everyone else. That they're, that I have outsmarted you, which is always their undoing. Okay. I will say this. The single monologue, the single villain confession that makes complete sense. Yeah is Lady Olena from Game of Thrones, and she wasn't a villain. But in her last moments, when she said, I want you to know, I want you to tell Cersei it was me. Yeah. Also, there have been yeah. quite a few times that Doctor Doom has not monologued because he's smart. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, that's why Doctor Doom is the best villain. He right. never monologues. Right. He's smart enough to keep his plans to himself. Yeah. But anyway, so Nick acts... Uh, he's coming at Judy. He bites Judy in the neck, and Judy, of course, falls. Mm-hmm. And Bellwether is like laughing, and then Judy gets up and is like, "So how'd that look? Cheesy? No." And Bellwether's like, "What? Well, I don't understand. What's happening?" And Nick pulls out the carrot pen, best pen ever. Bless the carrot pen, uh, and plays back all. Of Bellwether's entire confession. Yes. And says, oh, and that gun that you're holding, um, that's full of my pouch of blueberries. Uh, the night howlers, you mean these things that I have in my pocket here? So technically, it's your word against you. <laughs> and He learned from his mistakes. He learned from his mistakes. And so that's when Chief Bogo and the rest of the ZPD come storming in. Uh, or have been storming in and managed to hear this whole recorded confession Mm -hmm. and the Rams and Bellwether are taken away. And because they are, you are, stop, you are arresting. Um, (laughs) And so we're now getting little flashes of life getting back to normal. Mm -hmm. Um, An interview with former mayor Lionheart uh, talking about the, imprisonment of the other predators he's like did i falsely imprison those animals well yes yes i did it was a classic (laughs) doing the wrong thing for the right reason kind of deal and i was like j jonah jameson i swear to god this is like you were the perfect voice actor for this um judy you see you see officer uh officer judy hops because she's been reinstated Mm -hmm. uh there as the Ottertons are reunited. Uh, and then you get the start of a voiceover that, as you're seeing more flashes of life, that leads to you finding out that this is a speech being given by Judy to a new graduating class of police academy initiates. Mm-hmm. One of whom is Nick. And I was so proud of him. I Yes. Again, shout out to this writing. Judy says, When I was a kid, I thought Zootopia was this perfect place where everyone got along and anyone could be anything. Turns out real life is a little bit more complicated than a slogan on a bumper sticker. Real life is messy. We all have limitations. We all make mistakes, which means Hey, glass half full. We all have a lot in common. And the more we try to understand one another, the more exceptional each of us will be. But we have to try. 
So no matter what type of animal you are, from the biggest elephant to our first fox, and she's pinning uh, Nick's police badge on him, I implore you, try. Try to make the world a better place. Look inside yourself and recognize that change starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with all of us. I'm crying. That is so beautiful. And it it made me think of the Iron Giant, to paraphrase it, we are who we choose to be. And yes. we are more than, in the case of this with animals, we are more than our genetics. To compare to humans, we're more than our race or our ethnicity or our religions. We are who we decide we want to be. And the goal is try to be the best person you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And after everybody stops crying during the movie, we- um, <laughs> you flash forward to Nick and Judy uh, sitting in a real bitchin' looking police vehicle. Yes. It's like it's like an SUV, it's like awesome a thing. kind of thing, kind of right. And they're still like teasing each other, like. Well, you're just a sly fox. Well, you're just a dumb bunny. Yeah. But, like, it's funny now because they're partners. Yes. And yes. they get an assignment over the radio to stop a street racer in the Savannah District. Mm-hmm. So they're like, hell yeah, let's go. So there's a street race and they pull them over. Pull over this shiny red, uh, sports car with like the painted stripes down the hood and the the license plate says fst drvr fast driver (laughs) and they go to write him a ticket and the window rolls down and it's flash the dmv sloth (laughs) and that's the point where i lost my mind laughing (laughs) and the the final scene uh, which is um, also how they introduce the credits rolling is all of them, all of the main characters at a concert that Gazelle is giving, singing Try Everything. And you see like Chief Bogo, you see Nick and Judy standing together. And at one point they hug because it's like how far they've come. And you see... uh you see at one point it being broadcast into Bellwether's cell mm-hmm. and she's sitting there arms crossed annoyed, but her two Rams are like tapping their paws to it, which <laughs> I found even funnier. Yes. But, and one thing I also wanted to point out because I always uh, stay till the end of the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first movie I can think of that. When the credits were given, they gave the credits to the tech and production and all the behind-the-scenes staff before the voice actors. Huh, I didn't notice that. That's amazing. Because most people finish a movie and are like, okay, I want to know who voiced it, and then we don't care. Mm -hmm. And then they leave. It went through every single bit of tech stuff. Camera people, uh, visual art, digital renderings, all of that. And it was like onto like the third stanza of Try Everything before you got to the, the very first voice actor. Wow. 
I and I just, that. oh wow, I wanted to applaud Disney because I have never seen a movie do that before. Yes, it, that's amazing. I hope so. More thank you. Follow. Right, thank you for giving those people the appropriate moment to shine. And if the audience wants to know who those voice actors were, well, they're going to have to look at those people first because they're yeah. the ones that made it happen and they deserve equal recognition. Yes. Yes, yes they do. And that's the end of the movie. Yes. Did you like it? That's it. I loved it and I have so many emotions about it. And I just... It was so uh, you. It was it, so it, you. It, it was yeah. I am I am Judy. Yes. Yes. Judy Klohauser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Although the funniest thing was because at one point the app that um that Clawhauser was playing with about the dance, the yeah, put your face in the in the video yeah. dance. Yeah. Uh Bogo is playing with it at one point. And like I just got this image of like Terry from Brooklyn Nine Nine doing it <laughs> instead, and then quickly like stowing it in his desk. Desk when so because somebody comes in, Chief Bogo, what? Nothing. I wasn't doing anything. Like, like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, you have it too. Yeah, because it was Clubhouser coming in. He's yes. like, you have it too. Isn't it so great? Excited. And then they like start talking about. G- uh, Gazelle. I, I keep wanting to call her Giselle. It's Gazelle. Um, but it was it was so cute. It was. It was a great, great movie. I mean, so many good lessons, so many good jokes. The animation was stellar. The writing was phenomenal. Yes, the, and the voice for each character it, it fits amazingly. Perfect. Just, I mean, this is. This is up there with like Tarzan levels of mm-hmm. amazing. Like it's mm. this has easily jumped to my top five. Yes. It within has, one watch. It has been in my top five longer than yours. <laughs> well, that's because I only saw it about a week and a half ago. And uh we're going on two hours and forty five minutes at this yeah, point. So let's so, say goodbye because everybody uh, might be yeah, because um if you didn't have fun with us so far, um we don't need to give you more fun. No. So just mm. we'll leave you with uh go out and uh try everything. Try everything. Remember to follow us on social media. Uh that try everything includes following us there. Yeah. Um we are on yes. TikTok and Twitter at Realm Stories Pod, on Instagram at Realm of Endless Stories Podcast, and on Facebook at the Realm of Endless Stories Podcast. Our email is listed on our Facebook page. The Realm of Endless Stories at gmail.com. It's also listed on our TikTok, I believe. Mm-hmm. If you're enjoying taking this journey with us, give us a follow uh, on whatever platform you listen to us on. Consider leaving a review. Send us an email with comments, suggestions for what you want to hear us cover. Say hi. Tell us mm-hmm. a joke. Uh, mm. I love... We love jokes. We love jokes. I love puns. Uh, I mean, hey, just give us a shout. Send us send us a stupid meme. It'll be it'll be great. So mm-hmm. until next time, try everything. Try everything. Goodbye. Try everything. Bye. Bye.